continuing a uh, series from Je the book of Jeremiah. And so this chapter, chapter 29, really goes along a lot of ways with the theme of, of uh, Rosh Hashanah, uh, God's plan for us as we move forward into this next year, as well as, um, well, we'll see as we get into it. So Jeremiah chapter 21, the letter that Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the Kohanim, prophets, and all the people who Nebuchadnezzar took captive to Babylon after Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, uh, the king, the queen, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah, and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, the smiths, had departed from Jerusalem. So this is taking place historically just before Babylon comes in, destroys the temple, destroys the city of Jerusalem, and takes everyone captive. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar sent his armies already twice, and has taken some captives. And so Jeremiah is writing a letter to those who are already taken captive and are living in Babylon. And so he sends this message to them. And, and, and many of us, I mean, we are here in the diaspora. We're not living in Israel. We're here in, in the United States, in Florida. And so we are, in a sense, in an exile from Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. But uh, we are exiled from heaven right now. We're not in the Garden of Eden anymore. We've been kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and so we're living in a land of exile. exile. We're living ex exiled from, from God's direct hand and presence over us continually. We are, this world has been uh, stolen by Satan, as he stole it from Adam and Eve, deceived them, and the Bible describes him as the ruler over this planet. He says he, he goes to and fro throughout the earth, and so he roams this earth like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so many of the problems that we have on the earth today is a result of that. And the troubles that we experience, uh, both around us and internally, is because of this uh, Satan's dominion over this earth. And so we are, in a sense, captive. And so this message is for us as well, that God has a promise and a hope for us as well. And so God is writing to us. Verse 3, the letter was sent by Elsa and... Uh, Gamaria the, son, Gamaria, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. So Jeremiah writes this letter. The king sends two emissaries to Babylon to deliver this letter, which is very interesting, because King Zedekiah uh, did not particularly like Jeremiah, um, and, and, and certainly didn't follow what Jeremiah counseled him and, and, and directed him to do. But he allows this message to go and go by these couriers, and one of them, this Gemara, the son of Hilkiah, he becomes very important later on in this historical account, and we'll come back to him on another week as we continue in the lessons of Jeremiah. Verse 5, build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens, eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. So Jeremiah is writing to these people in Babylon, again, apart from their land, apart from their holy land, separated from their temple, and God says, make the best of it. Live there, make your lives there, Build your homes, have marriages, have weddings, have children, and grow there and prosper under the hand 
of Nebuchadnezzar. And God's blessings will be upon you. Seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. And so you're in Babylon, and so pray for it, because if things go well in Babylon, things will be better for you than they would be if things are not going good in Babylon. And so uh, make the best of the situation where you're at. We're not in heaven now. There's problems all around us. There's hurricanes, there's troubles, there's problems, there's uh, deception, there's, there's um, people get fired, people uh, have, get sick, and there's disease and, and troubles and sadness and, and heartache and pain. In spite of all that, we can trust the Lord and live our lives here and prosper under God's hands. Make the best of it. Pray for our country. Pray for our leaders. Pray for the world. Pray for the world leaders. And make the best under the situation that we're at and that we're under. And God's hand will bless us and be under it. And we can have peace and live in peace as much as possible here, as we look forward, because then he goes on and says, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel says, do not let your prophets and diviners deceive you, nor listen to your dreams. They prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. These other false prophets in Jeremiah's day were saying, God's going to break the bonds of Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to break the yoke off of us. He's going to bring the the king back and the people back within two years. Jeremiah is saying, don't listen to them. You're not coming back for a while. Build houses there, live there, and wait it out and trust the Lord. You know, it's so easy to always want things today. You know, always be looking into the future. You know, oh, when I, you know, become 13, then I will. When I become a teenager, when I finish high school, when I get into college, when I get married, you know, when the kids are out of the house, <laughs> when I retire, and always be looking forward for something else, Jeremiah is saying, live in today, make the best of today, make the best of this year in our lives. Trusting in the Lord, praying for the peace of the land, and experiencing peace in God's presence. After 70 years at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you, and cause you to return to this place. So no fix, no quick fixes. You know, it's so easy to look at why does good things happen to, why do bad things happen to good people here on this earth? Well, because we're not in heaven. But a time is coming when God will take us back to heaven. When God will make a new heavens and new earth. God will restore all things. And that's what Sukkot represents. That's what we're leading to, Rosh Hashanah, to Yom Kippur, to Sukkot. So it's going through the troubles here, it's going through the time here that leads us to the peace and prosperity. And so Jeremiah promises him, yes, you'll come back. Yes, God's work going to work. Yes, God's going to work his deliverance, but it'll be after 70 years. Not for a while. So go have kids, build houses, and make the best of it. Now part of the problem was they did that, they did what Jeremiah said, and they got real comfortable there. And then at the end of 70 years, God worked a mac amazing miracle, and Babylon gets taken over by the Medo-Persians, and the Persian king Cyrus says, go back to the land, and I'll even help pay the way. And, and many people said, hey, we like it here. 
We don't want to go home. We don't want to go to heaven. Maybe we live here. I want to see grandchildren. I want to see great-grandchildren. I want to live here. I don't want to die. I don't want, I don't want to help uh, bring this, the Lord's coming. And so they got comfortable there, too comfortable. We can easily get too comfortable and focused on the here and now. And so one thing, you know, live in the here and now. Make the best of today, right? So we should live with the expectation that we're going to live forever, but also live day by day as if this is the last day on earth for us. So not going to come for 70 years. Deliverance is not going to come for 70 years. Look forward to it. Plan for it. Teach your children about it. Anticipate it. Get ready for it. Save up for it. Teach your children, grandchildren, to go when the time comes. But in the meantime, pray for the city, pray for your country, and live in peace with one another. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you future and a hope. That's God's message for you this year, this new year. God knows our future. God knows his plans for us this year. And he plans a good year with hope and a good future for peace and not for evil. That's God's desire for us. That's God's will for us. And he knows his thoughts and what God thinks, God desires, God wills. It's God's will for us to have a good future and a future with hope. That doesn't mean we're not going to have problems here. That doesn't mean there's going to, not going to be troubles here. Every one of God's faithful children have had problems in their lives. Abraham had pro- plenty of troubles. David had plenty of troubles. Moses had plenty of troubles. But we can have peace and hope and faith and trust through those troubles because we know that deliverance is coming. Eventually we'll reach the 70 years and God will take us home. We're going back to the new Garden of Eden. God will restore all things. And so we have that hope and we have that trust in God's plan for us. And through all the troubles, God promises that he will work all things together for good to those who love him those who are called according to his purpose. So in spite of the troubles, God will work even those troubles out together for good. And each one of those troubles, each one of those process, everything we go through, helps us towards heaven. might not seem well and good while we're going through the troubles, but each of them help us trust in God. Each of us help us to see God more fully. Each of us help help us to see ourselves more clearly. It's through troubles that we see our defects. Now you buy an item and it's got a little sticker on it. It says it's been tested by such and such and some, such. So they put it through a test. It's electronic. They put it through high electricity, all the pressure. You know, if it's a metal thing or a car, they put it through intense wind or heat or pressure to make sure it'll stand up. So God allows us to go through troubles to help us to see our weak areas. So they can be strengthened in prayer, in confession, in repentance. And so through it all, God has good thoughts towards us. Thoughts for peace 
not for evil. God doesn't look at us with evil thoughts, evil intents. We have a tendency in this world to blame God for all the bad things. Your insurance companies will tell you your house is not covered for this because that was an act of God. God doesn't think evil thoughts for us. God doesn't bring evil thoughts for us. God desires only good things for us. But again, we live in a planet where a battle is raging, a battle is going on. Satan does bring evil on this world, but God's thoughts are peace, not of evil. God's desire for us is good. He will work his good as we trust in him. You know, the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you hope, a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Like in the song we just heard, go to the temple and pray. And so as we trust in the Lord, as his plans for us unfold, as we have hope and trust in him, as we go through trials and difficulties in this world, It should cause us to call upon him and go and pray to him and he will listen to us. He will hear us. This is a beautiful verse. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, he says. So God thinks about us. I will listen to you. So God hears us. He thinks about us. He listens to us. He becomes a friend to us. He walks with us. He spends time with us. He communes with us. He cares about us. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope, and then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. God wants to be found. He calls upon us and invites us to come and seek him and to find him as we seek for him with all our hearts. When the kids were little, I used to love to play hide and seek with them. They'd never find me. (laughs) Now I can't play with them. They find me all the time. But God's not trying to not be found. When Adam and Eve sinned, we hid from God. God came seeking after us, calling out for us, Adam, Eve, where are you? God comes after us. God comes seeking us. But it's our sins that separate us from God. It's our sins that separate us. It's our sins that make it hard for us to find him. And it's as we seek him through the sins, the pushing away of the evil tendencies, the unnatural desires, and seek for him and seek for his truth and search for him with all our hearts that he might be found. Because that's not our natural nature. Our natural nature has been since the fall to run away from God, just as Adam and Eve did. And just as we've all been doing ever since. And so it takes 
a turning, a repentance, a teshuva. That's what Rosh Hashanah is about, this turning away from our sins and turning back to God and seeking after Him and calling out to Him and searching for Him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. And then He can be found. Because God's a jealous God. He says God wants us completely. Because He loves us completely. He doesn't want half-heartedly. How many of us would want to enter into a, a marriage relationship, a lifelong relationship with someone, when they're not fully committed to it? And they say they'll be, they'll be home every once in a while, they'll be there every so often, they're not sure when. They may let you know, they may not let you know. They're welcome to stay committed for as long as they see fit. Whenever they want to not be there anymore, they won't be there anymore. How many would want to commit to a contract like that? God doesn't want that for us. He doesn't want a half-hearted commitment. Because it doesn't do us any good. It doesn't benefit us at all. I mean, he's secure. <laughs> he doesn't lose it when we leave him. He doesn't fall apart. He desires that for us. And he knows that it's only when we seek him fully, unconditionally, holding back nothing, that we experience the peace and the hope that he desires for us. The freedom and the deliverance, the joy and, and the gladness in the time of rejoicing that he wants to give to each one of us. So as we cry out to him, he'll listen to us, he'll hear our cries, he'll hear our pleas, he knows our troubles, he knows our disappointments. And when we seek him, we find him. And finding him is incredible. It's more than can be described, it's more than can be compared to anything else in the world. He gives us a peace that, that we can't understand. It passes understanding. A peace through troubles, a peace through difficulties. He gives us power. He gives us victory over sin. He gives us the ability to stop doing things we used to do and, and to not do things that we used to... And, and to want to do things that we didn't want to do. He gives us a hatred for things that aren't good for us. He gives us a desire for things that are good for us. He gives us love for other people, true love for others. It's absolutely amazing. It's so different because we're so used to being manipulated and controlled by the devil. For thousands of years. That experiencing the joy and the freedom and the power that comes from finding God. It's unbelievable. But it can only truly be found when it's full surrender. You know the thoughts that I think to Jews, says the Lord? Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found 
by you, says the Lord. And we will find him. As King Solomon said, fairer than all the lilies in the field, fairer than 10,000. A beautiful God, a caring God, a real God, who, who, who seeks us, who appears to us, who listens to us, who thinks about us, who talks with us, who communes with us, who promises never leave us nor forsake us, who gives us guidance, gives us direction, gives us wisdom, gives us knowledge, gives us understanding, gives us patience. And then on top of all of that, gives us heaven and eternity with him. There's nothing worth missing out on heaven or experiencing God here and now. And so I encourage each one of us today on this Rosh Hashanah to commit by God's grace, by his power, to seek him, to call upon him, to cry out to him, and to seek him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. day by day and moment by moment. And it starts by praying, calling out to him. And a good first prayer, good first call is God, help me. Rosh Hashanah is a time of confession. And so a good one is confessing, God, I'm, I'm not even, I'll confess and I'll be real with you, I don't even seek you with my whole heart. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even want to pray. God, give me a heart that wants to pray. Give me a desire that wants to seek you, that wants to follow you, that wants to find you, that wants to let go of these things in this world and experience real joy, real joy real peace, real happiness. That's a good prayer to start with. That's the process. So he thinks towards us, and he invites us to call upon him and to pray to him. And then he begins to change our hearts, moment by moment, day by day. Sacrifice has already been paid for us. The ram has already been caught in the thicket. The forgiveness is already there. So as we confess the sins, he forgives us the sins. He takes them from us, removes them from us. This week a friend of mine was, told me that uh, she's been getting uh, notice in her, in her paycheck since, since January, about $10, $12, depending on the week, more than she calculated she should be getting. And God's been convicting her that she needs to talk to her supervisor about it. Now we're talking, what is this, how many months now? Are we in the tenth month, ninth month now? Been going on, and she's been feeling guilty about this, and feeling she needs to do something for $10 a paycheck. 
would be horrible to miss out on heaven for ten dollars, huh? And so she went to her boss and said, "You know, I think you're overpaying me," and uh, showed her the paychecks and, and 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 what she thought she should be getting. And they said, "No, yeah, but there's this portion in your work that you get credit for certain things that you do, and those account for the credit you've been getting for doing these things." She didn't even know, so she was good and clear. But for all this time, she'd been worried and feeling this guilt and and this whole process. And so Rosh Hashanah, these next 10 days, the time of awe, the time to allow God to search us and try us. See if there's anything in our life that needs to be right with God. Praying to him, confessing them to him. And also if there's anything wrong between us and anyone else. Anyone has ought against us. Anyone is upset with us. Now is the time to make that right. To apologize to them, to seek them out, to make it right with them. And if we have wronged anyone, now is the time to go and apologize. Now is the time to make it right. Any commitments that we made, any promises that we broke, now is the time to go and apologize. Make it right with God, make it right with others. So that our records can be clean before God. That's a good starting prayer. God, convict me, show me if there are any sins in my life. Lead me towards you. Remove all the obstacles that are keeping me from experiencing you. Remove my resistant heart. And as we confess our sins, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we read earlier from Micah, he takes our sins and he throws them into the depths of the sea. As we confess the sins, he takes them from us and he put them into the Messiah. And they are killed, they are destroyed, they are removed from us. And then he fills us with his spirit. He replaces it with him. So he empties us And then he fills us with himself. And we can only be filled as we become emptied. So as we confess the sins and make room for God to come in, he then fills us more and more with his mind, with his heart, with his presence, with his character. And then recreates us into his image. That was his original plan, to create us into his image. He created Adam and Eve in his image. Then they blew it, followed, listened to the serpent, listened to the devil. And thus we've all been following that same pattern. So as we seek him, he begins recreating us into his image. The Lord says to King David, who sits on the throne of David, and to all the people who have not gone into captivity, the Lord of hosts says, I will send a sword, I'll send them the sword, the famine, and the pestilence. So he wrote the letter and he began writing to those in captivity. And he said, while you're in captivity, make the best of it. Seek peace. Pray for the land. You'll be at peace. I'm thinking about you. I've got good plans for you. I'll eventually bring you home. Pray to me. Call to me. I will hear you. Seek me. I will be found of you. But to the king and the people who haven't been taken captive, 
I think about you as well, God says. And I'm going to send a famine and a sword and a pestilence upon you. Many people would have preferred I ended the sermon at the last verse. Many people only preaching today the happy stuff, the good stuff, the nice stuff. But the Bible is very balanced. When God told Adam and Eve, gave them the Garden of Eden, said they can eat from anything there, all the abundance that he gave them, could live there forever, he created them forever, created them by his power, created them by his goodness. Mine will probably go off, that might be mine, it is mine. I always wondered what happened if these confirmations came right in the middle of a service and everyone's phone started telling them that some child in a million miles away was just uh, kidnapped or something like that. <laughs> Where was I? Anyway, so, there is, so he told Adam and Eve, hey, you can have, I made all these trees for you, I made this garden for you, it's all great and all wonderful and all fantastic, you'll live here forever. Look, I gave you this wife, I gave you these... Animals, I gave you all these things, have a great time. But, don't eat of that tree, this one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you're going to die. A judgment will come. Right? And so right from the very beginning of the Bible, there's, a, there's both. There's wonderful promises, fabulous promises, fabulous hope, Fabulous plans God has for us. But they're always conditional on a but if we choose to follow God. Choose to surrender all to him. Choose to confess our sins to him. Let him cleanse us. Let him forgive us. Let him transform us. And so here it is in Jeremiah 2. Even in the chapter, wonderful passage, I know the thoughts I think towards you. Wonderful things, peace and all this, hope, future. But the king and those who are turning against me, famine, pestilence, and sword is coming. Young Kippur is coming. Judgment Day is coming. And everyone needs to make a decision one side or the other. I'll deliver them to trouble among all the kingdoms of the earth to be a curse, a hissing, an astonishment, and a reproach because they have not heeded my words, says the Lord, sent by my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, neither would you heed. And the chapter continues on with a lot more verses like that. Lots of warnings. I'm not going to get into all those verses. But suffice it to say, if we seek him, we'll be found of him. We'll have future and a hope and peace and prosperity. But we turn from him and resist him, neglect him, it's only to our own peril. And again, it's not for his sake. He doesn't need us. He loves us. He wants us. But it's for our good. And he cares about us. And he wants what's good for us. He wants what's best for us. I thought I shut this off. Go away. I hate these things. Who created these things? Stupid thing. 
away. So during this 10 days of awe that we're entering into, I think that's my next slide, yes, we're entering into 10 days of awe. The next 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Now's the time for us to choose. God gives us this yearly reminder. And eventually we'll come to a Yom Kippur and it will be the last Yom Kippur. Judgment Day would come. Fortunately today he's given us some more time. And so if we can imagine or pretend that there's only 10 more days. Let us live before God as if there's only 10 more days. Make sure our right, records are right in heaven, that we're written and inscribed in God's book for a good year, for a good life, for a good eternity with him. He's got good plans for us. And if we follow the instructions, if we follow the map, follow the GPS, Take us to a good destination. We break off God's word. We break off God's map. We go our own way, our own direction, ignoring him, defying him, resisting him, holding on to our sins. It ends in destruction. Solomon wrote, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. We might think we know better than God. We might think we know better than God's word. But the end is death. But if we seek him, he'll be found, and he gives us eternal life. So as we enter into these ten days of awe, as we begin them together, let us pray, and let us ask God to search us, try us. He knows his thoughts towards us. He knows what's on our record books. Let us make our hearts open and receptive to hearing him. So if God's already brought something to your mind and you want to confess it while I'm praying, just between you and God, surrender it to him, give it over to him, receive his forgiveness, receive his cleansing, receive his sacrifice, receive his atonement, receive his mercy, and receive his power and his victory over the sins. If you haven't been praying to him in a moment when we pray, Ask God to give you a heart that prays, a heart that desires him. Call out to pray. It's not a New Year's resolution, right? The health clubs are full on January 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, and then empty on 4, 5, and 6 in the rest of the year. It's not a, I'm going to do it. No, it's God, give me the desire to do it. Give me the power to do it. That's a good prayer to start with. So if you haven't prayed that, the moment when we pray, make that your prayer. Or if you want to seek him and know his plans, and for him to reveal his plans to you this year, and for you to walk in his plans, you want to surrender your life and, and commit to God, God, I want to walk in your plans that you have for me. These plans to give me hope and a future. Take control of my life, take control of my feet, take control of my desires and my decisions. I want to walk in your way. And so in a moment when we pray, you can make that your prayer. And if you want to seek him with your whole heart, you want to give him your heart, when we pray, ask God to give you his new heart, and a heart that seeks him and desires him and seeks him fully and completely, 
without holding anything back. If you've been holding anything back and know it, when we pray, surrender that to God and give that over to Him. So if any of those areas apply to you or something else that God's been moving upon your heart and mind, if you need guidance into your future, He knows plans, He's got guidance for you. Whatever your need is, whatever your prayer is, let us pray together and let God meet those needs. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, thank you that you are over all things. Thank you that even though you know everything over this entire planet and universe, all the stars and all the planets and all the galaxies in their orbit, you also know each one of us here, each one of us in this world, and you have individual thoughts, individual plans, individual purpose, for each and every one of us. Lord, we want you to fulfill those plans in our lives. We want to let go of everything that's been deriding, derailing us and holding us back. We want to surrender all to you. We want to seek you. We want to find you. We want you to hear us. And we want to hear you. We want to see you. We want to know you. Forgive us for our sins. Reveal them to us. Open the books. Show us our records. Show us what's there. Show us what sins we have against you. Show us what sins we have against others. Show us who we need to forgive and who we need to apologize to. Show us what we need to do to make it right. And remove them from us, lay them upon the Messiah. And fill us with your spirit, with your mind, with your heart, with your power, with your deliverance. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.